Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Good morning, church. You are the most spiritual people in all of Springfield that I know. And seriously, I mean, I, I was driving today and I, I got to the back of the church so that, you know, newcomers will have parking spaces. And it was so freezing cold and I was trying to punch the code in the code pad and it froze. And I had to walk around, and I, as I was walking, I was saying, not nice, Ohio, not nice. Because I just came back from Florida. Oh, man. Your reality hits hard. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> uh, I still have a little bit of a residual cough, so I apologize if I uh, cough in the middle of my message here and then. Now and then. Hey, anyway, uh, I just realized a few days ago that I'm wrapping this series of messages up. This is the series of messages that we, we've been doing that is called uh, Means of Grace. And we've been talking about different things. Uh, basically, we've been talking about things that all Christians are teaching about through the centuries. We've been talking about Bible. We've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about uh, worshiping and we have been talking about those things not as something that you do for God to, to, to derive His uh, favor, but rather you increase your capacity to receive more favor because He's pouring out His favor in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the thing that, uh, unfortunately, a lot of churches teach Christian living, godly living, as something almost detached from the gospel, and that's a grave, grave mistake because every time you, you, you allow this to happen, you'll end up with a dead, dead, dry religion. Because the love is not that you try to love God. You cannot love God. Come on, give up already. You can only respond to God's love. You need to learn to receive God's love first. And then your heart is softened. And then your heart resonates. And then you begin to want more. More of God. More of His grace. More of His favor. And He says, you want more? I'll let you have more. Here's my book. Take it as a living word, not just a, something you do for God. Immerse yourself into that. Use the eyes of your heart, your imagination to get right into the story. Be part of that. Understand that whatever you're reading in the Bible, it's for you. It's not the good news in general. It's good news for Dennis. It's good news for Scott, right? Yeah, so we've been talking about those things. And Today, as I'm wrapping it up, and of course, we just barely scratched the surface. You know, Neil and I, we can do seminars and train because there are so many different kinds of ways you can read your Bible. There are so many different ways you can pray. There are so many different ways you can worship. Another aspect of this message I want to remind you is that we taught in the beginning that this is something that you do when nobody's watching. Because it's so easy to to sway under the peer pressure. Even if you're not a teenager anymore, it's so easy to walk before people, not before the Lord. But the call of Jesus, he says, when you practice your righteousness, do not do it before people. So you and I 
should always have this secret place where nobody is watching. You and I should have such an intimate interaction with the Lord that even not our spouses are aware of. You and I should learn to, to draw near to Him. That's another image that the Bible is using. And today, uh, I want to talk about something. And again, pray for me under your breath because I'm not feeling really well right now, but like I'm, I'm getting into that and uh, hopefully I'll be able to give you something that the Lord will be able to speak uh, through me. So today, my, the title of my message is Living in the Kingdom Now. And it, it might sound pompous, like, oh, kingdom, big concept, and who am I? I'm just a little dude from Springfield, Ohio, right? Or wh wherever you are. And if you're watching online, wherever you are, you, you might not think much of yourself. And you're concerned with your own life problems, right? And when, I, when we say kingdom of God, that might sound, well, abstract. But it's not. In fact, your life is not an accident. And the fact that you have received Christ if you're a Christian or you feel that your heart resonates when people speak about Christ, that means you're about to receive Christ and we pray for you to receive Christ, that's not an accident. Your life is not small. You're not an accident. You're intentional, purposeful, beloved child of God. Amen. And your life is connected to a bigger story. And the bigger story is called the kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom of God. So I need to say a few words about the kingdom. The kingdom is a dominant theme in the, in the, in the Bible. And when Jesus has come, he basically spoke about the kingdom. That was number one topic. That if you study the Gospels, he spoke about the kingdom of God. When he just started his public ministry, he said, the time is fulfilled. The time is no longer, the time of waiting for the kingdom to come is over, he basically said. The, the kingdom is here. He said, the kingdom of Mark 1.15, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, which is change. Change your life. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your attitude. Why? Because the kingdom is at hand. It's right here. Repent and believe the gospel. One way to present uh, the gospel is to say, hey, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. Another thing was that he told his disciples in uh, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. Make it the number one priority in your life. And in Luke 17, when Pharisees are asking him, how is it going to happen? How the world? And by the way, by the time Jesus came, the, the air was electrified with expectation. And they, they knew Somehow they knew through the prophets that the kingdom of God is going to be coming to this earth and things will be well. They didn't know the details of that, but they knew one thing. God becomes the king. The reign and rule of God is going to be established on this earth. And as a result of that, all the evil will be gone. There'll be no more tears, no more sufferings, no more oppression, no more violence, no more wars. How? We don't know how, but we know God said it's going to happen. So the, 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 the message of the coming of the kingdom is the message of the restoration. So when, when, when your life is touched by the Lord, you're being joined to the story of the restoration of the kingdom. Amen? 
Okay, I don't know whether you're listening or not. I, I don't always scream and jump. I can, I, be, can, I, be, I can be steady and quiet. Maybe I'm growing mature. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, let's, let's bet whether I'll get to the point where I'll scream and jump. And if I do, I'll be happy because I love doing that. I love when I get excited about the Lord. So, and Jesus told to Pharisees, he said, hey, guys, when they were asking the question, how the kingdom of God is going to come, in Luke chapter 17, verses 20, 21, and he said, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. No, that's not how the kingdom is coming, Jesus said. He said, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. What was he talking about? He was actually referring to himself. He was referring to the person. So, according to Jesus, the kingdom is not coming as it. It's coming as a person. He referred to himself standing in their midst. He referred to someone who knows God so intimately and personally. And guess what? Not as a king, but as the father. Wow. That changes everything. You know, some people say, well, church is not a uh, cruise ship. It's a battle, battleship. It's an army. Yes, it is. But guess what? Army does not exist for the sake of itself. Army exists to protect the families. God, according to Jesus, is about family, first of all and above all. The kingdom is coming to restore everything for the sake of God's heart's desire, which is to have a family, to have a genuine kids born of him, partaking in his life and nature. I'm getting close to yelling and screaming and jumping. Praise the Lord. Yeah, let it rip, baby, said John the Baptist. So the amazing thing, the, uh, the new thing, was that the kingdom of God is ushered and inaugurated not by faithful servants of God, not by mighty prophets, not by an army of angels, but by people who know God personally as their father. Well, first there was one only, unique one, the only, the only begotten son of God, the Bible calls him. But he has come to fulfill the will of of his father. It's, it's interesting. Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom of God, but every time he referred to, to God, he never referred to him as the king. Almost never. He referred to him as my father, my father. And when he has come to, to accomplish God's will, he has come not to serve the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, but to make his father happy because he loved his father. He was abiding in the love of his father. He said, I'm never alone. As I walk, I walk in my father. I walk with my father. My father is in me. I am in my father. I only speak what I hear him say. I only do when I see him do. Oh, I, I wish you guys know my father. 
You talk about God a lot, but you don't know my Father. I have come to give you the gift of knowing God just like I know Him. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So as the gospel begins to take an effect in people's hearts, here's what happens. They become people of the kingdom, just like Jesus. And as they walk in this intimate knowledge of Him, tangible knowledge, experiential knowledge, the kingdom begins to break through that. That's why your life is not small. You're here for a reason. I've been transplanted from another part of the globe to, to come here from a city of 6 million people to a small town of 45,000 uh, uh, people in Clark County here to be part of this process. Neil was raised years ago to come here and start this, to join this church and lead it on to be part of this process. The gospel transforms our hearts from the people of this world into the children of God. And as the children of God, we know our God so much that wherever we go, we bring the kingdom with us and we don't even know it sometimes. That is so cool, guys. So... <laughs> I'm getting happy. I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know about you. I'm happy. So, and how do we know that Jesus wanted this intimate knowledge to be ours? Well, he said it so. He said it to us in, in the scripture, Matthew eleven twenty five thirty. 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Then he says, the Lord of heaven and earth, but first, Father. He said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have given, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. You can only receive it as a child with a childlike faith. When you remove all of your credentials, all of your failures, all of your successes, and just reduce yourself to the original soul designed by God, naked before God, not ashamed, being embraced by His love, Woo! that's the true Christian, little naked but kid. Running to his dad. Are you this in your Christian walk? If not, you're not getting the gospel yet. Get the gospel. So he said, all things have been handed over to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son. Here comes the good news. And anyone to whom... The Son chooses to reveal Him. And He said, when I'm lifted up, referring to being put to the cross, He said, I will draw all people to Myself. You know why it is so good that your heart resonates to when, when, when we speak about Christ and you feel something, yes, yes, Lord, yes. Jesus is drawing you to Himself. This is so good. So I want to tell you that Here's the shift of a concept. 
Everybody was expecting the restoration of all things, the coming of the kingdom of God, and they had different pictures, and Jesus said, no, 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 no. Hear how it comes. It comes in the form of a human being so one with God that, they, that the kingdom just follows. So, and the gospel is that Jesus has come to give it to everyone who would receive it. How is it supposed to be manifested in our daily walk here in Springfield, Ohio, 2024? Big concept, supposedly small people, and somehow it's one. Well, Paul gives a very direct description of how is it supposed to manifest in our life. Romans 14, 17, 18. And that's the key verse for today's text, for today's message. <coughs> Excuse me. For the kingdom of God, again, is not a matter of eating and drinking. Why is he talking about eating and drinking? Because the context is the church in Rome was started among Jewish people. Then there was an edict. It's a historic fact. You can check it. You can Google it. When all Jewish people were banished from the city of Rome. And all that remained of this church were Gentile believers. Believers who were not Jews by birth. And they had to figure out how to run church. They did not. So they lived like that for, I don't remember, for like five to seven to ten years. And then the edict was canceled and all the Jewish people came back to Rome. And they kind of joined the same church. And now they had a church of two camps. And one was insisting it's really important to do these special celebrations to, to make sure you do this and that. Because Jewish people had a lot of traditions related to a lot of practices. But those Gentiles, they said, like, come on. What are you talking about? Jesus loves me. That's I know for the Bible tells me so. <laughs> and, like, and these guys, the Jewish people were... were uh, uh, Paul talks about it. He said one camp was having a contempt towards the other and another one was considering others not spiritual at all. So there was a strive and Paul said, hey guys, yes, respect one another, love one another, learn to honor one another. But listen to this. I understand that the Jewish people into these holidays and stuff, but listen, or what drink, what eat and what not to eat. Jewish people were into kosher food, you know, what, like, what's clean, what's not clean. But he said, no, that's not the kingdom of God. What matters is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, but of peace and the joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it boils down to. I do not care how many years you have been a part of a church, how well you know the Bible, how much you can connect the dots in the Bible. But honestly, you can diagnose yourself. Ask yourself this question. How much is my life characterized by these two words, peaceful and joyful? And it's not to condemn you. It's just to be honest with yourself. Be brutally honest with yourself. Hey, Am I a joyful person? Do I have like wrinkles here because I smile a lot? Or do I have wrinkles here because I frown a lot? That's easy to see actually sometimes. With the age it becomes obvious. Grumpy cat, not a Christian picture. So, <laughs> so and I, I want you to see, and I, I brought this. At 2 a.m. last night as I was preparing, it worked in my head. It might not in reality. But I'll try. I brought some props. I rarely do that, but I'll try. So, you see, I called it the set 
the set of the kingdom. So for us to experience the kingdom and to bring the kingdom into Springfield, Ohio, we need to somehow learn how in the light of the gospel, in the light of this good news that God is our Papa now, learn to live a joyful, peaceful life. And Paul put these three things together, and I believe it's Holy Spirit spoke through him, and those three things are connected for a reason. Because you cannot be effective in this world for the Lord if you don't learn how to be happy, how to rejoice. I'm not going to go into details of semantics, like what's the difference between happy and joy. English isn't my native language. But you know when you're joyful. You know what, you know the joy. So, joy is your weapon. Joy is your choice. Just like Stephen preached last time, he said, like, it's your choice. When life gets tough, it's your choice to worship the Lord. It's your choice. In the same way, Paul says, rejoice. In the book of Philippians, I believe he said, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. It's your choice. But uh, this, this joy is, if you read carefully, it's not natural joy. Our natural joy is connected to natural things that happen in our life or may happen. So something good may happen and we're like, yeah, and then all of a sudden falls through and doesn't work and we go, woo. That's not the joy Paul talks about. He says, joy in the Holy Spirit. This is not a natural joy. Joy, this joy is what you feel when you sense the Holy Spirit's breathing in you. Do you know that your Christian walk is not just for your head to collect the knowledge of the Bible, but actually to experience it on a regular basis to sense and to feel the Spirit of God? Would you say amen? How many of you sense the Spirit of God moving in you? Sometimes even to the extent of your body. Well, for some people, it, it's like, oh, I got chills. You know, that's not bad. Some, we had a speaker who called it Holy Spirit bumps. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it goes further anyway. So joy and speak and full of glory. And I remember, guys, I know this joy is within you. I just know it. If you receive Jesus, this joy is within you. That's my experience. When I became a Christian, the Soviet Union just collapsed. I, I was born and raised in the Soviet Union. It just collapsed. And there were no churches because churches were banished. There were no Christian bookstores, no Christian books, no Christian radio station, nothing. So these elderly ladies from an underground Pentecostal church approached us that looked rough and tough and started talking to us about God. Long story short, we received Jesus. And as I received Jesus, I remember strange phenomenon began to take place in my life. I would get so joyful every once in a while with no rhyme and reason. Just, just, just happy. Just bubbling up from deep within. I remember the night I was sleeping with some friends of mine in the same apartment. And I woke up in the middle of the night. And I was like, ah, ah, I, 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 ah, unspeakable, but full of glory. And I, I knew it's, it's somehow, it has to do with Jesus that I received. And it's full of hope. So just imagine, I don't know how much you know about the collapse of the country. Just imagine America collapses, the economy collapses. Nothing works, 401k lost, no jobs, no food in the store. And you go, yeah! 
Seriously. It's supernatural in unspeakable and full of glory. And a friend of mine, I heard him preaching. Actually, he spoke in our church, Sergey. He did the conference here. He said, when I got saved, I got filled with joy. But then I had this weird deja vu. You know what deja vu is? You're in a new place, but it feels like you've been here before. And he said, like, I felt like I've been here before. I felt this. What is it? What is it? How could I experience it? And he said, I remember it. It was when I was a kid, and I hated school. And when the school year was over, and the summer break just began. Wow. Full of potential. So that's, that's the hope. That's the hope that the gospel brings because God is leading the world to restoration, not to doom and gloom, to restoration. And when you receive Jesus, your life begins to be restored. And that's just the little bits of the general process of restoring this world. Can I hear an amen to that? Oh, dude, I was so afraid I don't have anything to tell you, but I do. So, and then he's a joy in the Holy Spirit. And here's my thing. Here's my thing. Here's my prop. Hope it's going to work. He said, and peace. No, first I'll speak a few things about peace. And his joy. In, so he goes, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So at the top is joy. So when you're doing well as a Christian, you are going to be a joyful person. You're going to work out on, on your wrinkles right here. Not right here. I'm sorry. Not right here. Uh, but then he said, joy, but then peace. Let's, let's move backwards. Joy. So the joy comes upon peaceful heart. Heart that is full of peace. And that's what this world needs so desperately. This world needs to see people who are peaceful in the midst of the storm. This world needs to see beacons of hope. You guys are beacons of hope. You're carriers of salvation. And how do you preach? Before you open your mouth, you just carry joy and peace. And how do you get this peace? And the peace is an amazing. I'm not going to give much about peace. I'm not going to be talking much about peace. But peace, it's, it's, it comes from the concept in the Bible called shalom. Have you heard the word shalom? That's how Jewish people greet themselves. Shalom literally translated as peace, but it's so much more. If you study, you can go ahead and study that, find some information online. But it's like, it's a very pithy concept. And it's a concept, it's, it's, it's profound sense of well-being, wholeness, re being restored, being in harmony. It implies the fullness of God's intended flourishing for individuals and communities. That's what shalom is. And then when I began to study the word, what it meant in Greek, I unfortunately... For those who are Greek snobs, I didn't write the actual Greek word, but I got the meaning. And there were like several meanings. And I always look at the biblical meaning, and I always look at the meaning found outside of the Bible. Because the language existed before the Bible was, New Testament was written. So there were many shades and meanings of the word hope. But I really enjoyed this one, so I took it down, and I want to share it with you. It only appeared when the church appeared. It only appeared when Jesus was resurrected. All of a sudden, the new meaning was added to the word uh, peace. Here it is. According to conception, distinctly peculiar to Christianity. Listen to this. It's, a, it's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God... 
<laughs> the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and content with his earthly lot of whatsoever sort that it's used. I'm sorry, that's bulky. This person is assured of salvation and peacefully waits for the return of Christ and the transformation of all things which will accompany this event. Is that you today? Is that me today? It's a good thing to ask these questions and to be honest with yourself. That's the standard. That's the standard of how we live in this world. So, and if you learn to live like that, I guarantee the kingdom outbreakings will be taking place all around you. People will be healed. People will be saved. People will be delivered. Families will be restored. You will see miracles. You will interact with angels. You will live a life that will be very similar to the life that Jesus led. Some of you think blasphemy. No, it's not. Study the New Testament. The only begotten became the first born. And that means whatever number is yours, I don't know, million something, billion something, but it's your, you're there. And he's not ashamed to call you his brother and sister. All right? So, okay. Somehow I need to take it to the practical side because we're talking about practices, right? So, hope this works. I feel like a Sunday school teacher before a bunch of kids. <laughs> okay, I'll start this. Uh, so, do you know what it is? Yeah, nesting doll, whatever they call it in Russian, matryoshka, a tongue twister. So, I thought it's a cool thing. So, I call this verse, this verse, the, the, the manifestation of the kingdom in our life in these three things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I call it the set of the kingdom. It comes in the unit of three things, righteousness, peace, and joy. So, let me try this. Maybe it'll work. Maybe I'll learn my lesson of being humble. Okay. So. Okay. Gosh, it's complicated. It's an IQ test. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know online people. Can you see or not? I hope you can. <coughs> this represents you. Are you cute? <laughs> but you're empty and shallow. And that's okay because God created you to be a vessel, an empty vessel, to be filled with something, to receive something, to gain the contact somewhere. And God himself wants to be your content. So when you receive Jesus, the first thing that God does, when you say, Jesus, I believe you, believe you, I need you, come into my life immediately. He puts the spirit of his son right in the middle of you. Ooh, and you're no longer empty. Ooh, the spirit of Jesus Christ begins to dwell in you. And if the life begins to shake you, oh, there's something inside. I hear the voice, Abba, Papa, Father, Abba. Something got in you, and you got, it's, it's not that you got a big head, you got a big belly, the river of living water is in you, and now you dare to call God, Papa, Daddy, oh, you're not insane, you just believe the gospel. 
That's what it does. Here comes the problem. You know, there are millions of cute little ones like you, and some have something inside, and some have nothing inside, and the world is drifting them to different directions. You need to be able to stand against the currents of this world. You need to stick out, to stand out. And here's what happens. Paul said, what makes you a person of the kingdom, although a lot of Christians are saved, a lot of Christians have the Spirit of God within them, they have no effectiveness in this world. They do not affect this world. This world affects them. You need to practice something. And that's, my friends, what I call your kingdom set. You have a little suitcase. God gave it to you at the point of your salvation. In that suitcase, there are three things that you need to take your time on a regular basis, open and apply it to your life. And I call them this way. So remember, it's you with something inside. I don't know whether you care or not. So joy, peace. Joy and peace do not come to you by themselves. They're connected to righteousness of God. So here you are, not already not empty, already full, but still tossed back and forth. You need to get established, put yourself in Christ as your righteousness. Here's the thing about righteousness. You can only have two kinds of righteousness in your life, yours or God's, and yours stinks. It doesn't matter how well it looks or bad it looks, it stinks. The righteousness of God is righteousness of God. It's pure. It's all or nothing proposition. So the number one reason you lose your peace, you lose your joy, is because you drift back to your self-righteousness. You're still trying to earn brownie points with God. You're trying to please God. God is pleased with Christ and you're wrapped in Him. You've been transferred into Christ. God cannot look into Christ and not smile. He looks at you and smiles. You see? And when you begin to meditate on that, when you begin to get established in that, you begin to drop your self-righteousness forever. And then the peace of God begins to mark your life because you have peace with God. Yes, Trouble may come your way. Stuff can happen. Unfortunate things happen. But you know God is for you. And your future is secure. And He is going to lead you through anything and everything. And when you learn to live in this peace with God, oh, you can't help yourself but begin to smile and rejoice. And you, remember your, your original empty little cute? You above head and shoulder. You stick out. There's shining. There's light in your life that draws people. There's peace. There's joy. So getting super practical now. I have this hourglass right here. And I love it because I use it for my prayer times. Because it doesn't have a touch screen. And I can't go to places before I know it. Some people, yeah. So, but Jewish people had this concept of Sabbath. That was a commandment to keep the Sabbath. How many of you know what keeping the Sabbath commandment is? So, you know the gospel 
is never about keeping the law. It's actually the opposite of that. The law is to accuse people. The gospel is to justify people. But there are principles, good principles in, in the Old Testament. And one of them is entering into God's rest. Because when the people of God were taught by God to celebrate Sabbath. And celebrating Sabbath meant stop. I'll demonstrate it for you. Right now, for seven seconds, I'll stop my sermon. And I want you to stop anything and everything with me. Let's do it. I think it was seven seconds. Wow. Did you feel the change? Just seven seconds. You know, when you learn to stop. So, God told the people of Israel, He said, like, I want you guys to be people of my covenant. And I want you to learn to stop your work. Stop being productive. Stop being productive for, my, for the sake of my name. Stop in the name of love. I don't remember the tune. So seriously, we need to learn to stop on a weekly basis. And the church is one of the best things to practice that. Because, you know, so many people come to churches, but they come with different motives. And if you come here or to any church, if you're listening online to, to deserve brownie points with God, you're wrong. I suggest... You make coming to a corporate worship with other brothers and sisters as a special day of celebration to celebrate the good news, to celebrate the fact that you've been brought into the family of God, to celebrate, to celebrate. You cannot celebrate without peace and joy, you know. And it was a test for people's trust back then because they lived in a agrarian society, right, agricultural society. And, you know, agricultural society lives by seasons. And there is a season when you need to work day, every single day, and to get as many hours as you can into your work. But, but for the sake of God, they would say, no, I know my income depends on that, but I'm going to stop to honor God, to reconnect with Him, to to experience peace and joy. And you know what? Jesus was full of grace. He was not moved by the law. But you know, every Saturday, he was in the synagogue. Did you realize that? That was his habit. He came to celebrate God, his Father. Yes. Anyway, what I mean by that, it's, it's a good thing. as a means of grace. You know, I am free. I, I don't have to be part of any church. You don't have to be part of any church. But I suggest you learn to, to cultivate the celebration mode. You know, Jewish people, it's interesting. Even today, rabbis say that if you're a very poor person and you can't afford much in your life, if you're a Jew and if you, you want to celebrate Sabbath, Put on your best clothes. Buy the best meat you can afford. Don't let it be the regular day. Make it a special day for the Lord's sake. Celebrate the Lord. 
and that's how you restore the reality and for us Christians of the New Testament why do we do that on the weekly basis we come to celebrate the gospel we come to celebrate thank you George <laughs> Wow <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> just gives called him out <laughs> he gives me in. we come to celebrate the gospel so guys uh, I hope you glean something from my message today but it's it's ultimately important to check yourself on a regular basis do I have peace in my life am I in peace right now because what the enemy is trying to steal from you above everything else is your joy and your peace and he would throw all kind of curved balls in, in, in your direction here's what you do when you find yourself losing your peace or maybe you have already lost your peace you're in the middle of some crisis and you're stressed out do this do this stop the time sit somewhere do nothing stop well sometimes we sit we stop external things we're still doing a lot of things internally stop start to think about what Jesus has done about the righteousness of God take a brief few seconds or minutes or moments take a verse or a word or some truth of the gospel that has to do with you like one of the songs that we sing take one of the verses and say I am a child of God take some time to think about it that's called fixing your mind on the spirit that immediately produces something that brings you back into your experiencing the righteousness of God and before you know it your peace is regained and before you know it you walk in the reality of the kingdom again yes it's an exercise but it's totally worth it five minutes stop five minutes holy break during the day this sailor moment will will, will will save your day will say will absolutely save your day we listed all these things Bible prayer uh, meditation worship sometimes you feel like you're not able to do anything that's number thing that's number one thing that you do you stop sometimes you feel like you can't even stop lay on the floor if you have this set it up for 15 minutes and say I'm gonna be laying on the floor for 5 or 15 minutes for the sake of the Lord and do nothing do nothing sometimes it's a hard word to do nothing internally you're trying to fix all your problems I'm gonna put them aside and I'm gonna become a naked little kid before the Lord again and I'm gonna experience his acceptance and I'm gonna be established in this acceptance that concludes our series means of grace practicing your righteousness in Christ Jesus. I hope you got something, guys. All right. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.